Welcome to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. Hi, I'm David Manti with Cannabis Equipment News, and with me today is Jill Ellsworth, founder and CEO of Willow Industries. Thank you very much for joining me today, Jill. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Well, before we get started, if you could please like, share, or even subscribe to the podcast. If you leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, we'd enjoy that as well, or whatever platform you choose. You can also subscribe to the podcast via our newsletters. So if we could start, could you tell me a little bit about yourself and how you wound up or arrived in the cannabis industry? Yeah, of course. So I am an entrepreneur at heart. I come from the food and beverage industry. So I'm a registered dietitian. I have a master's in food science nutrition and had started a cold pressed juice company about seven years ago in California, in Santa Barbara, California, and then also in Denver. Um, you know, it was a great business and I pivoted that, that business into also a, a beverage distribution company based in Denver. And that's where I am right now. And, um, you know, I, after many years of running that, I ended up selling that company and was really looking at my next move. And, you know, cannabis at the time had become federally legal here in Denver or not federally state legal in Denver. And, um, and so I started looking at the industry and finding that a lot of the, the, the food safety regulations that I was required to adhere to uh, with my juice company, you know, a lot of those weren't present in cannabis. It was so early. Cultivators were required to test their batches for potential contaminants like mold and yeast. But if you had this problem, there was no solution to get rid of it. So I kind of had this crazy idea. It's like, I need to develop a solution for cultivators if they're, if they're faced with contamination and also want to protect consumer safety. So that in food is called the kill step. So I thought, okay, I'm going to develop a kill step for cannabis. And that's what we've done. So how did you come to the idea of that kill step, kill step being microbial decontamination? Yeah. I mean, typically in the food industry, kill steps are used as that. So it's the last process before the product goes to a grocery store or is on the shelf for a consumer. Um, and so I was finding that, you know, there wasn't that requirement in cannabis at the time. And there still isn't. The testing is still is, is pretty, um, pretty intense in the industry, but there was no requirement for a kill step. So I said, okay, cannabis, you know, is going to be exposed to all of this. It's a consumer product. We need to make sure consumers are safe. Mm -hmm. No, it's, uh, I've heard that from a lot of people in the industry, both on the, uh, certification side, uh, safety side. Uh, it seems like companies are trying to insulate themselves a little bit from, you know, potential recalls and stuff like that, but there still isn't like a federal demand on it yet. Yeah, exactly. It's very state specific and so very siloed. So based on the state that you're living in, you have to follow those regulations and guidelines, but there isn't a federal mandate as we know. So all states have really, you know, taken the testing and kind of made it into their own and how they see fit. Mm -hmm. So how is your kill step better than other ones on the industry, in the industry? Are there any other ones in the industry? There certainly are. But so we'll first talk about Willow. <laughs> so Willow was specifically 
designed for cannabis. We didn't adopt technology from other industries and, you know, make it fit this cannabis box. It was designed specifically for this plant. So we really did a ton of R and D in the beginning to make sure that our system was appropriate and applicable for cannabis, which it was, and still is, Um, you know, we are organic. We're a gentle solution. We, you know, you put your product through our system. There's no degradation to terpenes, to cannabinoids, to the flavor, the structure, the flower. Um, we're finding that we're extending shelf life. I mean, as the, as the dispensary shelves get, you know, very, um, very full and there's lots of competitors, this is a great way to differentiate yourself. You know, you telling your customers like, look, we've, we've ensured that you're safe and the product is safe for consumption. So, I mean, we, we've really worked hard to define what clean cannabis looks like in, in the industry. So I've actually heard that, uh, from a bunch of different companies now where it could be one thing to have product out on the market. Cause right now, depending on the market, the demand is so high that it really doesn't matter. It's going to sell, but really you're protecting your brand, um, with taking, uh, steps sort of, sort of like using Willow's products. Exactly. It's been interesting to see the evolution of the industry over, you know, we've been here for about five and a half years and there's been many recalls in Colorado. And in fact, other States around the country. And so this is your insurance policy. It ensures that your product is not going to be recalled off the shelves, which is a brand killer. And we all know that can happen, but yeah, I mean, it really instills confidence. And so, you know, we, we always push like be upfront, be transparent with your consumers. So right now, in your opinion, what is the cannabis industry lacking compared to the food and beverage safety standards that you saw? Well, I mean, you know, again, it's, it's been so interesting to see the evolution of legitimacy in cannabis Mm -hmm. five years ago, no one wanted to talk about contamination. It was so taboo. And, and that's, you know, that's something that in the food and beverage industry, you're talking about all the time because your product isn't going to that shelf unless it's safe and protected. Um, but in cannabis, that was like, well, I grow clean. I don't need you. We don't need this. Of course we are clean. Um, but you know, the evolution of that is actually cannabis is a bioaccumulator. Really. There's so many steps in the supply chain that could, the plant could be contaminated. You could have amazing growing practices, but then a trimmer at the end may like touch his phone and then go back to trimming. And then there you have contamination. So, I mean, it's, it's just interesting to see like that supply chain and like how contamination can occur, but also the adoption of the industry. Again, five years ago, no one wanted to talk to us. And now, you know, we're in 22 States and we have a very viable business. So are people, uh, Tell me a little bit about the, about the business. Is it uh, a specific piece of equipment? Are you providing services? Is it sort of all of the above based on need? Yeah, great question. So it's a little bit of both. So uh, we developed the Willow Pure system, which is a, is a machine that gets taken into the cultivation. Um, So we have two business models. So we have a leasing side where you as a cultivator can lease our equipment. So you'd have it on site, you put all of your product through it, um, you know, you'd run everything and then get that out to the dispensary. And then the second uh, business model we have is our services side. So we do on-site service. So we'll come to you with our system and clean your flower at your facility. You can rent our system and try it for yourself. 
you know, make sure that it's the right appropriate equipment before you move into a long-term lease. And then three, we have a Willow Pier Processing Center in California, which is in Oakland. And that allows us to bring in flour to our facility. We clean it on site and then we send it back to you. So when you're talking to clients, is there like a yield that you tell them, you know, maybe, you know, if you're not, if you're not making this much, you just use our, our on-site services. Like what's the point where the ROI justifies bringing the machine in house? Yeah, of course. So I, you know, about 10,000 square foot cultivation would warrant a long-term lease, but you know, what we're seeing across the country is, is, you know, different types of cultivators. So in Oklahoma, lots of licensees, smaller batches, smaller plant counts. And so our service business does very well there. Um, You know, places like Michigan, Massachusetts, Florida, those are, you know, where some major cultivations are huge square footage. So you're going to bring in our leased system and use it, you know, at your discretion. And then, you know, in California with our processing center, that's really, um, that was really an answer to how the regulations were written and that, you know, that's more batch specific. Okay. Tell me a little bit about the new processing center. Just, uh, you know, I read the press release. It sounded really interesting, but it seems kind of like a big investment in the area. It is. And it isn't. So we actually, um, sublease, a facility from a licensee. So, you know, the great, the great thing for us is we didn't have that huge expense of going out and getting a license, you know, which at the time did not allow, you know, the smaller company of ours to do that. So we sublease um, on someone's license and, and lease their facility. So we pay rent and that allows us to, you know, operate within the state under all of the very strict regulations. Okay. Um, I noticed that you also do work with the Cannabis Health and Safety Advisory Committee. Can you tell me a little bit about your work there? Yeah. So the city of Denver put together a cannabis um, health and safety board and you had to apply for it. You know, they brought in all different uh, thought leaders from the, the Colorado cannabis industry and We haven't gotten together recently, but, you know, when we were meeting regularly, we talked about many issues that the industry was facing, the Colorado industry, whether it was testing, whether it was plant counts, whether it was, you know, different types of concentrates, but it was all couched against, you know, how does the safety aspect look for Colorado consumers? What can we do to continue to provide as a whole safe product? And so it was, it was really cool to be on it and really great being with so many different thought leaders in the industry. Um, but it's, you know, a good platform. Did being both uh, a manufacturer and a service provider, did that help insulate you a little bit during the pandemic? It did. So unfortunately we had to pause our on-site service and our rentals, but we still were able to generate business with our leases and that, you know, continued to help bolster the company through, you know, Q, Q2, Q3. Um, And then, you know, we kind of, as a company went back to really full operation in Q4. Okay. How many employees do you guys have now? Right now we have 20. So our home office and most of our employees are based here in Denver. And then we have employees in Michigan, California, and Oklahoma. Okay. And we're hiring in Massachusetts. So if you're sales in Massachusetts, um, certainly let us know, reach out. I hear about the demand for sales right now. It is, uh, <laughs> I, know. You know, I keep, 
I keep hearing about the uh, skills gap in the manufacturing industry, industry, but I'm like, we need more people to sell it too. I know. I exactly. We we've had a really hard time finding really strong salespeople. Well, is part of the issue sometimes when it comes to hiring, I hear that there are a lot of people that want to work in the cannabis industry, but don't necessarily have the skills to. You know what I mean? Um, is that something that you run into where people are interested because it's cannabis and it's new and exciting, but uh, they're not exactly qualified? Exactly. We run into that a lot. It's it's people that hear about the cannabis industry, like you said, it's cool and and fun and exciting, and um, but. Then we take a look at their resume. It's like, well, unfortunately, you know, you don't have any of the qualifications. I mean, we would absolutely hire a salesperson that has not been in cannabis yet, because I think sales are universal. If you're a good salesperson, you can sell equipment in the cannabis industry. But a lot of, you know, our technicians in the back, you know, as long as you have very specific skill set, I mean, we certainly will consider you. But I mean, but I think there's also, it's like, we look like this big shiny object the industry does. And so I think it attracts, you know, maybe a different type of employee. When do you plan on sort of unpausing on-site uh, services and rentals? Yeah. So the, we, we went back to that full uh, on-site service at end of Q4 of 2020. So we've been doing, yeah, so we're back at it. Um, we've been doing on-site service. We're doing that almost every day. Our rentals are very popular. So we have rental units all over the country. Do rental and lease users transition to people that buy the model or do they normally stay on like a rental or lease agreement? Well, so we only, uh, we only long-term lease our systems. We actually don't sell them. So typically what we see is someone will try it out as a week long rental, two week rental. And if it went well, they will typically transition into a long-term lease. And then, you know, we keep them on a lease. And the reason we don't sell these systems is because one, the industry is innovating, as you know, I mean, you're, you're looking at very cool equipment all the time and you're seeing all of this innovation happen very quickly. And so we continue to innovate within Willow and we just developed a new system that we released in the fall. And so, you know, in a year, you don't want to be sitting on a paperweight that's useless because you bought it. And so that's why you can upgrade with your leases. Everything's included. It just makes sense for how quickly the industry is moving. It does make sense. I mean, I've heard it time and again about uh, the piece of equipment collecting dust in the corner. I know. And that's not where I want to see a willow. <laughs> so, you know, in, in, there are plenty, there, there's plenty of times that we upgrade um, customers. And then there's those few times that unfortunately it didn't work for them. And so, you know, then we can take it back and we can recommission it and get it to another customer that needs it. What is your approach to R&D? We are, we're always striving to like do as much R&D as possible. We are challenged in the fact that we're not a license holder in Denver. So to procure uh, legal cannabis is very hard for us. So, um, you know, we've, we've found ways to make that happen, but we're always doing R&D. We're always improving our systems. We're working on a really cool innovation within our new system now. Um, but it's challenging in this industry. It's not like, you know, you're a peanut farmer and then you can go test a bunch of peanuts. This is like weed that you can't really get. (laughs) True. Well, uh, sort of in the same vein, uh, how does your system prevent cross-contamination? 
prevent. So we are, we have very strong SOPs and training. We have a customer success team that works with all of our partners across the country to ensure that they're utilizing the system right. But ozone is the tool, is the is the mechanism we use to, to get rid of contamination on flour. I mean, that's actually a great uh, prevention of cross-contamination within the system. But then, you know, personal protective equipment and really training our partners in the cultivation to ensure preventing cross-contamination is key. Otherwise, you're not changing your gloves. You're not changing the bags that the dirty product was in before you put clean product in it. So we spent a lot of time educating. Do you, what is the training like uh, and how sort of what could when a company brings your system in house, what can they expect in terms of training and then, you know, getting a technician that can use it? Certainly. So we, if, if you were to lease a system, we'd ship the system to you. And then we'd also send one of our Willow Pure technicians. So they would come in, they would train you and your team on site, go through all the aspects of the system. One thing we did from the very beginning is we made these very easy plug and play. You plug it into a standard outlet, you load the system with cannabis, you shut the door and you press start and that's it. Um, but you know, there's obviously intricacies within the system. So we go through all of that training with our on-site technician. And then when they leave, you'll have access to our PhD microbiologist and also our customer success team that keeps you, you know, keeps you informed, answers any questions. You know, if you had an issue with a test, let's see, you know, how can we adjust treatment times? So we really are very, um, handholding in the process. Okay. Uh, how much product is, uh, like the Willow Pure 360 process? We process. Yeah. So one run will process about 10 to 15 pounds, depending on the type of flour. So if it's, you know, bigger nugs, you can probably get about 10 pounds. I have a customer in Canada that's getting 50 pounds of milled product in it. So big variable. Um, but, and then depending on contamination, contamination, your treatment times will run between one and eight hours. So if, you know, you're using this as a kill step, as intended, you treat everything that comes out of cure dry trim, your, your, your treatment times will probably be between one and four hours. Um, so you can process, you know, close to 40 pounds a day. Mm -hmm. Um, why did you choose an ozone based system? Just I've I've only talked to a couple other people that are working in ozone, primarily putting it in HVAC systems. So uh, I was impressed to see that. I personally, I think ozone is amazing. But when I was looking at different types of equipment that is used as a kill step in the food and beverage industry, I started looking at one and I did R&D on that and it destroyed the flower. So I was like, okay, clearly can't use that. So then I went back to the drawing board and started looking at, well, what other technologies are used? If it's not, you know, heat, what else could it be? And I came across ozone, um, commonly used in the food and ag industry. And so I said, cool, I'm going to give it a try. And it worked. That's fantastic. <laughs> it, was, it was as simple as that. And now, you know, it's such a, it's such a big component of like who we are. So, uh, your time in the food and beverage industry and your time in the cannabis industry, what have you enjoyed more? I mean, it's so different. Cannabis, 
you know, makes you want to rip your hair out some days, right? It's just, it's, I think it's been really hard to work in an industry that's not federally legal. So banking has been challenging. Um, uh, interstate commerce has been challenging. Like, obviously you can't do that. So we are worried about shipping our machines. Um, there is, there are so many issues there without being in a federally legal uh, industry that have been hard. Um, I also think, you know, coming from the black market into a legitimate industry has been challenging to get cultivators to understand the need for this type of technology. I loved food and beverage. I mean, it's just, you know, it's historic. It's been there forever, but, um, I, I like disrupting, um, and I like being part of something at the ground level. And that's, you know, so I'm really enjoying cannabis. Is there, you know, when I've talked to food manufacturers in the past, the answer always winds up being people always got to eat. I mean, was there a little, uh, loss or did you lose that security when you went to cannabis? Because I mean, don't get me wrong. I think people are always going to use cannabis, but, (laughs) um, was there like, did you lose any of that security? I gosh, I honestly, I didn't even think about that. I was like, oh, here's a bargaining industry. I just came up with a really good idea that's not being addressed. Like, how could I go make this awesome? And so I think it was best my naivete, I guess, uh, that I didn't really think of it that way because I probably maybe I, maybe I would have second guessed myself. Um, but I was just like, no, I have this idea. I'm going to do it. That's, you know, that's it. Well, so what does the future hold for Willow? Well, we are currently raising our series a, so on my end, been certainly busy with that, but we, you know, we, we continue to double down on clean cannabis and getting consumers to understand, you know, how can, how can they look for a product that's clean and safe? You know, we're releasing our Willow Pure Assured symbol and we look for this to be, uh, like a symbol that symbol that you look for on food, non-GMO organic. We want consumers to start looking like that, but continuing to, you know, help cultivators ensure they're putting out the cleanest product. And so we have some really cool, um, innovative products coming out in the future. Um, but for now, you know, we, we continue to, to educate and stay focused on our goal of clean cannabis. Well, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate as it is. Do you do any advocacy in terms of pushing for federal legalization or more uh, certifications anyways, just, you know, even lobbying just to make sure the kill step is everywhere? Yes. That's a big part of my role here at Willow is government affairs. So I have a government affairs team that I work very closely with and we target different states, different regulators, and help them really understand one, why do they need to have specific testing language in their bills? But two, you know, how can they start to realize, you know, the importance of a kill step? I don't think we're there yet um, for the industry, but, you know, getting them to understand why cultivators should be able to retest if they fail a microbial test, what microbial thresholds look like. Um, Yes, we are. We spend a lot of time doing that here because I think education is key as we move towards federal legalization, but also, you know, um, when the FDA does get involved, it's going to be swift. And so we, we are preparing cultivators for that. Do you, uh, what is your expectation for federal legalization? I, I mean, I expect that we'll see 
more standardized regulations across the country. Um, that is my hope. I mean, again, like I mentioned, all the states have very siloed testing regulations and it's not helpful. It's not helpful for multi-state operators because there's no consistency in, in their supply chain and their production. And so I really hope there's you know a consistent across the board, here's what you have to do. We're modeling this like food and beverage. What are your biggest markets right now and sort of what are the up and comers? Biggest markets for us, East Coast is pretty big right now. Um, Florida, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania. Um, up and coming would be New York, New Jersey. Uh, we have we have a few customers in New York, and you know, working with regulators to understand their testing thresholds are very low, and it's not sustainable for a burgundy in- industry like theirs. Um, we're also we also have a lot of business in California, Oklahoma, Ma- Michigan, um, obviously here in Colorado. So we are also moving in. Um, we're in Canada right now, and continuing to move into that. Um, but Europe also looks to be a really interesting market for us. Okay. You had mentioned some of the challenges that you've had. Uh, have you ever had, you know, your accounts shut down, stuff like that? Um, we did have one account <laughs> shut down. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, that it was, you know, uh, a national bank. And so that was unfortunate, but um, we, you know, we work with a cannabis friendly bank here in Colorado. It's a credit union that is banks, a lot of cannabis companies. And so, you know, decided to, obviously it's not worth the risk, but uh, yeah, we, we've had some issues in the past. Well, um, thank you very much for joining me today. I really want, I wanted to ask, is there anything that we might've left out or anything in particular that you want to make sure people know about Willow? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to uh, talk about our Willow Pure 360 really quick. So that is new innovation. So originally our units were chambers and they had this rack and tray system. You'd lay out the flower on these trays, put them on the rack into the system. But, you know, we've, we really thought there was a better way to treat cannabis. And so we developed this drum unit um, that slowly rotates a quarter of a turn, you know, every three minutes, and we're finding it's a much more effective treatment for cannabis. And so, you know, we'd love to just go to our website and take a look at it. We'd love to, you know, help you or do a demo with anyone out there that's interested. So does it work like a dryer? Yes. Very similar, (laughs) but not, but I I do want to dispel any myths that it like tumbles like this, you know, because people are like, well, then you're destroying my cannabis. No, we've made it so that there's no, you know, no change to the structure of your flower. Okay. Um, No, that was, uh, you also, it sounded like you have a couple of new product releases coming down the pike. So I'd really like to talk to you when those come out too. Yes. I will certainly keep you posted because we're excited about those. Is that uh, something you're looking at the end of this year? Possibly, you know, as long as like we can close, you know, our series A and like everything lines up, but that is certainly, you know, in the schedule. Okay. Well, thank you very much for taking the time today, Jill. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Again, if you can make sure to like, subscribe, or even share the podcast, that would really help us out a lot. For Jill Ellsworth, I'm David Manti. This is the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to the Cannabis Equipment News Podcast.